and welcome aboard the battleship pretension uh, i am scott Knott. uh i'm david Bax. hopefully uh <laughs> that was uh audible to everyone scott i think you're lagging a little bit i'm only seeing it on your screen hopefully it's not on my end but uh yeah that's scott uh tyler is uh not here of course tyler is still battling uh his many months long uh ordeal um against uh if we've said even west nile west nile virus you can find that out anywhere uh you can you can follow him on twitter and facebook now he's using voice to text he is he is he is tweeting and uh commenting he even even uh wrote and posted a movie review at battleshipretention.com for david lowry's uh peter pan and wendy um not to be confused with david lowry's previous disney live action remake pete's dragon this is a different disney live action remake about someone named peter um (laughs) Uh, so anyway so that uh but you can find out uh what's going on with tyler by following him uh but you can also um uh donate to the gofundme to help him and his family with their mounting medical costs uh i know you guys have heard me say this multiple times a week since august but uh or whenever we first revealed this was happening but that's how long the medical costs have been uh, piling up as well so uh feel free to check out the gofundme pin to the top of the homepage at battleshipretention.com i'm david Bax, by the way i can't remember if i saw that say that said that uh that's scott and i uh i'm the permanent co-host of battleship pretension and scott and i is the uh i guess well, how would you say, like, un, uh, uh, indefinite interim co-host? Guest co-host, sure. Any of these work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's who we are. I want to tell you real quick about um, tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Uh, I use them each and every day of my life today this will kind of um this will kind of uh uh maybe tie into our um our topic today although i have not seen the movies and movie in question i was listening to a bunch of uh, uh I, I had put a bunch of goth and goth adjacent rock songs on my spotify playlist um and the song uh, Go by Tones on Tail you probably know it you don't think you know it but you probably know it um came up and it wasn't until it came up that I realized that the 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 Spotify file I put on my playlist was from music from the motion picture Getting There, starring Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Sweet sixteen and licensed to drive is the tagline. Um, and not knowing anything about that movie, but knowing a little bit about Tones on Tail, I just thought it was a very funny juxtaposition to see Tones on Tail and above it. 16 year old Mary Kate and Ashley staying in front of a convertible. Uh, anyway, uh, made me laugh, but it also, uh, sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at check-in, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole. Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Scott, we're back. Let's get into it, shall we? I'm going to introduce our our guests. Uh, joining us once again from the movie podcast, here to talk about another uh, season of the great movie podcast is Rico Gagliano. Welcome back. Lovely to be back. I'm so happy that you like have me back on the show. I feel like every time I'm on here, I feel like those guys are really smart. I hope I hung in there. And, <laughs> and I guess I did somewhat. Maybe. Is that what this yeah. means? I hope yeah, so. Yeah, it's always, always a pleasure. And uh, I guess to... Well, I guess to give away uh, the topic of the show, although listeners have already seen it on when they look at the you know the screen on their zooms, um, it, uh, we're talking about needle drops in movies, all time needle drops in in movies, uh, and we couldn't not do that without our resident uh, needle drop expert, uh, Sean Ingram. Sean, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks. Yes, thank you for having me. I similarly, I felt. I sometimes feel a little outclassed when I'm here, but I'm I'm glad you invite me back. You know, and you people out there can't see these guys, but they look great too. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, that's not true actually. Uh, although I am tanned because I just came back from Mexico. Brag about um, it, why don't you? I, I will every chance I get. Yeah, it was a fun time. Um, but uh, didn't watch any movies there, so I don't have any uh, recent mo- needle drops. But we're not really talking about recent needle drops because, like I said, we do that with Sean every year. Now we're we're casting our net all the way back. Well, I guess this is because needle drops is the 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 subject of of the current season of, or I guess the most recent season because I think it's just ended as at the time literally this is today. Um, the last of, episode of, aired today. Uh, Okay. Today, the day of the recording, which is uh, at least three yeah. or four days before uh, the episode's going up. So yeah, uh, but it's all still available. I'm assuming, right, Rico? <laughs> no, we we post go the episodes the and then we immediately <laughs> yank them back. <laughs> so you got one um, shot, people. No, they're up there for sure. Uh, movie, so, movie podcast. It's called Cunning Title. So uh, I think we're going to have some fun talking about needle drops. But I, like from an academic perspective, is I was like. I've been very busy. Well, not very busy. I've been on vacation. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't been working on the research of the podcast. So I was kind of putting, putting together a, a, a rough list of references sort of last minute. And it occurred to me that like, when did the needle drop enter cinema? You know, because I think I remember in film school being shown the graduate and being told like, Hey, Simon and Garfield, like a, a current, like radio pop rock so whatever you want to call them act doing a soundtrack for a movie was like a new kind of a big deal at the time. And even that kind of like looking at what I picked, I only have one song on my list from before the graduate. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, how far back do you go? Or what do you, when do you see needle drops coming into to movies? Uh, no, I'm not going to claim that I'm like a super historian about what, you know, the, I'm sure there is some debate about what the official first one is. And you sure. also have to define your terms where it's like, I, I don't remember how many, I know at least some of the songs on the uh, graduate soundtrack were officially needle drops because they'd been released already. Mm-hmm. But I think some, I mean, Mrs. Robinson, I'm pretty sure was written for the graduate, <laughs> yeah. um, but others sound of silence. I'm pretty sure was not. 
so those definitely qualify. But on our show, the oldest one that we did on this season, and it's only six episodes, so there's plenty more movies out there. Obviously, we didn't like hit all the great ones and probably could have gotten back farther. But the mm-hmm. furthest we went back is 1955 to Blackboard Jungle oh, with sure. Rock Around the Clock. And that is almost surely the first rock needle drop because before that it wasn't really called necessarily rock and roll by a lot of people like Alan Freed had kind of coined the term and some people were using it, but it was like, that was actually, that was not just the song, but that's actually the movie that popularized the song to start the rock era by a lot of people's account. So in that sense, maybe you could go back to that, but I'm also not going to definitively say, I mean, I'm sure there must've been like jazz records that had been deployed earlier than that at some point. Um, Although a lot of those, I mean, uh, one of the movies we talk about is 2001 and for prestige movies, for sure, the thing was definitely to get an original score, not to use Mm -hmm. pre-recorded music. It was quite a big deal that Kubrick didn't use a score. So I'm going to go with Blackboard Jungle based on my limited knowledge. Um, Yeah, you you brought up a thing. I think I can't remember what I was referring to, but this did come up on our most recent like recap of 2022 needle drops. Maybe Scott or Sean can remember what movie we were talking about when I was saying like, is like, is a pre-existing piece of score or classical music in, in that case. But in some cases, like a score from another movie shows up, yeah. uh, you know, in like a, a Django Unchained or something, you know, um, and, uh, is there, or, or I think I'm thinking in Glorious Bastards is what I'm thinking of, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think Tarantino, most of his movies, has some score from other movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which one did any more? Oh, he did a Hateful Eight. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's what I was thinking. Okay. So anyway, because um, I do have a couple on my little list that are that are kind of um, uh, pre-existing, like classical type music. Um but uh, well, I don't know. I, I, this isn't just. Uh, I don't want to monopolize. What, what is? What does everybody else think about the early days of needle drops? Yeah, I'd love to hear. Like, I'd love to hear what Sean says because I feel like you've got a better, more global knowledge of such things. <laughs> or did I just put you on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. Most definitely. No, I'm. I'm. I'm no. I'm no historian uh, whatsoever. Um, so. Yeah, maybe maybe David is more qual- or Scott are more qualified for that. Well, the, okay, I'll say right now the earliest one I could think of, um, and I didn't really think I should have thought of Blackbird Jungle, um, but the earliest one I could think of is the end of Doctor Strange Love. I was just and, gonna say, yeah, we'll meet again, the Vera yeah. Lynn uh, song. That's the earliest one that's on my list, and that's what sixty four, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, is it? Yes. Right. 64. The, um, here's the funny part about that. According to one of the guys that we interviewed for our 2001 episode, uh, Kubrick wanted to get, Oh, I hope I'm going to get this right. Uh, he wanted to get to write the score of that movie, uh, of Dr. Strangelove. Oh man, I'm going to totally flake on the name and it's ridiculous because, Oh, Herman, uh, uh, Bernard Herman. Okay. He wanted to get Bernard Mm. Herman. And Herman apparently hated Kubrick thereafter because Kubrick dared to say you were going to be sharing the soundtrack with a Vera Lynn track. And also the opening credit sequence, which is uh, um, uh, Try a Little Tenderness. Uh, 
And so he's like, yeah, you'll do the score, but there's going to be two lowly pop tunes on the soundtrack as well. (laughs) And Herman was like, what? How dare you? (laughs) And when he went to ask him to do 2001 at a certain point, he was like, oh, sure, I'll do it for twice my normal fee, bastard. (laughs) And Kubrick did not bite, apparently. But uh, I don't know if that's apocryphal, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, like that's, it, it does indicate how long ago that was that like having a needle drop in a film could be of some controversy, I guess. Yeah. I think the yeah, only other thing movies did was like, do like the title song. Like I think of like old Douglas Sirk melodramas had like, there was a song called written on the wind that was written for the movie written on the wind. Um, and I think that, provided maybe a bridge to getting to the needle drop thing of like doing. Yeah. I mean, cause Dr. Strange yeah, it's in the titles, it's in the end credits, but I don't think it's in like the action of the film. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like substituting for score. Exactly. Yeah. But it, I mean, I though it's the very like tongue in cheek, ironic use at the end is totally very much calling attention to itself in the way that I think yeah. we tend to think of when we think of needle drops. Yeah. yeah. It's saying something like you're, you're dropping it in there to make a statement. It's not just to kind of like provide a little background. And that same year you get like hard day's night, which is kind of like a Beatles musical, but also oh, yeah. uses a lot of songs just kind of like as score and as background when they're like running around or riding the trains and that kind of thing. Yeah. For, oh, that's a really good point. Like, does that count if it's about the band? Right. <laughs> you know, but it's true. That whole movie is, is needle drops. Unlike help where, I mean, a lot of those songs were written for the movie, I think. Oh, okay. Um, obviously help was. Oh, well, maybe, maybe, am I making that up? Were those songs? See, that's what I was thinking. I thought maybe they had the songs already and they're like, ah, let's put it into a movie. I feel like Help was written. Well, no, it probably, I know that John Lennon wrote that for lots of very personal reasons, but I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question if any of that was written for a movie. Yellow Submarine, I think. The, the cart, the animated, I think those were written for that purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Not the song Yellow Submarine, because that was on Revolver. Right, but uh, the, whatever, yes, the expand, the expansion, yeah. The other stuff. That sounds um, right. Oh, man, there's so many Beatle maniacs out there, we're going to get pillowed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People love, people <laughs> love hearing uh, people on podcasts talking about things they're not sure about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very forgiving. Um, okay, so another early, I, to get back to like using classical music, um one of the most iconic classical music needle drops so much so that it has continued to have the needle dropped on it in multiple movies since then is uh Car- the Carl Orff track from Badlands um which i think is called Gassenhauer is what i'm i had to google it i think it's called Gassenhauer but that's the like do 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 and it's in True Romance yeah. and it's in Ratcatcher and i'm i'm looking at Wikipedia. It also says it's in Finding Forrester and Monster. I, I don't remember it in either one of those, but um, I remember it in True Romance and and in Ratcatcher. That's uh, amazing. By the way, also somebody that apparently Kubrick asked to score two thousand one, Carl <laughs> Orff. Yeah, that's. I didn't realize he was like he was so young when he wrote that. He was still alive when yeah. Badlands came out. He was like in his late seventies when Badlands came out, but he was yeah. born in the nineteenth century. Yeah, he hmm. refused Kubrick because he said he was too old to do an entire score. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the idea. Um, uh, it's a beautiful yeah. piece. And I didn't know when I saw true romance, I was young enough to not realize that it was the same. I'd seen badlands probably on VHS, but I just hadn't put them together. And uh, it's such a great piece. It's so awesome. Yeah. I also definitely saw true romance first and definitely like was obsessed with that song, but it was like, 
it was right of the I saw True Romance right of the age when like uh Googling things was first uh available or what probably wasn't it was like probably Ask Jeevesing or something like that. Um and uh so I pretty quickly I, I hadn't seen Badlands yet, but I pretty quickly understood like, oh, it's it's a it's Tony Scott doing a tribute to this other like sort of lovers on the run type of movie. Yes. Although, I mean, like I, if you get the score by, um, oh man, am I going to really forget the Hans Zimmer? Um, it's yeah. on, it's included on the score. So I think it's Hans Zimmer's treatment of it. Interpolation. Yeah, I was going to say, yes. I don't think it actually used the, the track itself. Right. I think it yes. is like kind of an adaptation. So it's not a needle drop in yeah. that sense. Um, Okay, and this is this could this could be the part of the show where we just go stream of consciousness and like remind each other of different things because I just reminded myself of uh, one of the great needle drop movies of my youth, which is also a lovers on the run movie, which is Natural Born Killers oh. with a, a, a soundtrack uh, produced curated by Trent Reznor, um, and has a bunch of great songs. And it also speaking of uh, um classical music the part part of the prison riot there's literally i went to tune find i don't know if you've ever used tune find which is a, a website yeah. that'll like show you like if you go to natural born killers it lists 92 songs <laughs> um, there's only like there's like 27 songs or something on the soundtrack cd which i listened to a lot as a kid but uh classic music thing the mazorkski night on bear mountain i think is oh, uh man. the very beginning of the of the riot when uh, robert downey jr is still broadcasting live or whatever but um uh natural born killer soundtrack and i have trent reznor to thank for me uh discovering who leonard cohen was because there's oh, wow. um uh there's a I can't remember what the first, right at the very beginning, there's one, but then the one at the end um, is Anthem. Uh, forgive your perfect... Uh, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. I don't know if you know that Leonard Cohen song, but uh, that's like at the very end, and it's like this beautiful song, and it's also when, like, spoilers for Natural Born Killers, Robert Downey Jr. gets shot to pieces after being a piece of shit the entire movie, and then, like, like pathetically begging for his life after been like leeching off of Mar uh, Mickey and Mallory for the whole movie. And then like so many squibs go off. He's just, like, <laughs> <laughs> like Bonnie future. Clark or whatever. Yeah. The future. Uh, oh, is that the song? The future? Yeah, I'm looking right now at the, the lineup on the okay. original soundtrack and it's towards the end. So I'm guessing that's it. Okay. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, but I could, I could, because I, I was obsessed with natural born killers and with that soundtrack, I could probably almost like name you every song on the soundtrack and what the scene is. I'm not going to do that. Um, but, uh, I have like, become good. No, go ahead. I, I have become in there. Are, it's a type of movie, right? That is, it doesn't surprise me at all that you just said there were 92 cues in that thing. There's a <laughs> According kind to of find it's not a, that's not a, you know, peer reviewed website or anything, but yeah, <laughs> that's right. There might be some extras in there, but like, I am fascinated by movies now that I've done this season because I actually pick movies just because I didn't want to have like nine hour long episodes. I picked movies that had just like one or two standout tracks, but there are movies like we talked to for the last episode, we just talked to a bunch of well-known music supervisors. And one of them is Randall poster who's done everything. And he did the Wolf of Wall Street soundtrack. Oh my God. And we didn't talk very much about it. And I'm really glad we didn't because you could just like talk for 19. It just like, 
it never stops. Music is, it's all needle drops and it's constantly happening. And I don't even understand how you put together a playlist like that. And I kind of asked him, I asked him a more general question about Scorsese, who does this a lot, right? That's just like, every five seconds, there's a new needle drop and it doesn't even last that long. And some of them fade into each other for reasons that don't necessarily make entire sense if you really think about them, but work in the fabric of the movie somehow. And I asked him basically if he, if Scorsese had any philosophy and I'd heard that one of his philosophies was that he purposely puts music that has very little to do with the scene because it just complicates things that much more in your mind. It totally makes sense. If you think of any of the major needle drops, it's like, why would you put the song Atlantis over the beating of the guy in Goodfellas? You know, it's like, the or I was going to say, um, Layla, uh, when they're like, when you're finding all the dead bodies after the, yeah. uh, what is it? Lufthansa heist, whatever it is. Um, yeah, yeah. Scorsese, I've made this point before on a different podcast, but like, I don't really like Layla as a song. I like it the way it is. <laughs> uh, I like the way it's used in that movie and similar yeah. to Wolf of Wall Street, um, like you know uh uh most people will taste i think billy joel sucks but uh like he (laughs) he uses moving out like early on when like leonardo dicaprio and jonah hill are like first like going crazy on drugs and it's like a great it's it's a great needle job even though i i in a vacuum i don't like that song because i don't like billy joel and i take any uh any shot any shot i can uh any opportunity to take a shot at billy joel really I'm a, I, I'm a, you know what? I'm going to be a brave man and cop to yeah. liking Billy Joel. I'm sorry. I'm I like Billy Joel with what? some guilt built in. That's well, you know, um, during like, we still do it a little bit when we have time, but like during quarantine time, like that year plus my wife and I, at the end of every day, I, like every, we're both working from all day. Every day we would throw on a record. And play, out. Uh, we'd throw in a record and play cards <laughs> and just whatever record. And even though neither of us is a Billy Joel fan, we realize that we have glass houses in our final collection. I don't know why we have it. It's a good record. So we, so we threw it on and we spent the entire like 40 minutes. It was playing alternating between going, this sucks. And then catching ourselves singing along at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I do maybe have more conflicted feelings about Billy Joel than I let on. <laughs> yeah, it's deeply internalized. <laughs> yeah. You can, there's a New Yorker, a New Yorker, New York times article by Chuck Klosterman about Billy Joel. That is like a yeah. must read. And it will, he loves him, by the way, Chuck Klosterman loves Billy Joel. So, uh, he, and you know, Chuck Klosterman being Chuck Klosterman, he makes a good argument for Billy Joel and why people hate him. Um, I suggest anyone listen. Well, you're right. You're reminding me of a a needle drop, um, that, uh, um, I had forgotten about because who would remember this, but I think it is, it's the second hangover movie, the hangover part two, (laughs) when they're like walking through the airport, I can't remember if it's like they're going, getting on the plane or maybe it's when they just land in Thailand. Um, and speaking of, yeah, picking a song that has nothing to do with the scene, it's down Easter Alexa by Billy Joel, which is like a song about like a fisherman trying to go out there and like, you know, catch his lot every day and, and scr- struggling by scraping by, but it does have this sort of like ominous, like low tone percussive thing. That's like something bad is coming. Yeah. Uh, and it's, a, it's actually that. a pretty good use of that song. No doubt. I mean, he has some cinematics. Was on the nylon curtain, there's some stuff that's definitely feels like that was his like attempt to do basically Sergeant Pepper. And uh, there's some like fairly expansive cinematic stuff going on in that album. But, I, but by the way, but to wrap up, I, 
although that's what I think Scorsese is doing. I asked Randall Poster and he's like, I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to it. Like he yeah. basically does whatever he thinks is cool in the moment. Good for and him. so watching, knowing that watching those movies is like a peek inside a mind that is just relentless. <laughs> I feel yeah. like. And how you go through then as a music supervisor, like getting the rights to all of that stuff. No. And in some cases, like it sounded like in some cases he didn't even know that it was like, he, he didn't even know uh, Randall poster. I'm saying that a song was going to be used. Like they would record something live. They were doing the, we talked about the wedding scene in the um, Wolf of wall street and that has uh, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings in it. And they had, rehearsed all of these songs that they could potentially be playing in the wedding sequence. And at the last minute, Leonardo DiCaprio was like, I want to do a dance to uh, baby got back. So the band learned baby got back enough on the day that they could just like mimic it. And it would look <laughs> like they were playing it. But then Randall poster goes to see the scene. And first of all, they don't show the band playing it. They just use the track. And then for some reason it segues into a Bo Diddley song. And and poster acted like he had no idea that was even going to happen until he saw the film. It was just like, who knows what happens in the editing room with that guy? I would be really fascinated. But all of this is good to say, like when I think about natural born kills, I can totally imagine Oliver Stone being that guy too. He's just like a guy that has mixtapes on mixtapes while he's like smoking his blunts and like... Yeah, I, I, I was going to have... use a cocaine reference. I was going to say history of cocaine <laughs> probably helps with this too, but... Uh... But I was That's true. Um, I, so I used to have like the double VHS natural born killers uh, thing, like director's cut. And it had at the end, essentially like um, uh, what would become to be like special features uh, at the very, end. you just have to watch fast forward to the end to watch them. You can't select them like on a DVD, but uh, Oliver Stone, I do remember watching that multiple times. Cause it was a real natural born killers nut. Um, and Oliver Stone does seem to give the impression that he let Trent Reznor kind of like, go a little bit like mm. a, a lot of like Trent had a lot of say in in what was was picked um, that's cool i would be, uh, I, it feels like it i mean like i can imagine uh him oh sorry i can imagine oliver stone picking leonard cohen i do not i'm looking on here i'm not sure that i would imagine him picking what is fall of the rebel angels by sergio cervetti i don't even remember that one um, it's track but I know there's a um, during like an early there's like an early flashback to a previous prison break of of, of Mickey's and there's a song by Barry Adamson I think is his name or is it Barry oh, yeah. Adams Barry. from magazine um, uh, yeah and he also shows up his music also shows up on the Lost Highway score which Trent Reznor also produced so clearly Trent Reznor's a Barry Adamson fan there you go uh, yeah uh, I had one more hangover hangover part three this time one that i had because i forgot about it because the hangover part three was todd phillips getting to make the action movie he'd wanted to make like clearly like I, I feel like each hangover gets a little bit less like comedy and more of like an action movie and so there's a part where bradley cooper is like looking for ken jeong and ken jeong's been staying at the like fanciest penthouse at caesar's and bradley cooper like bus like kicks in the door and he's like chasing him through this penthouse with like windows open and the curtains billowing and it's uh nib by black sabbath you know oh yeah oh sean just went back but uh sean just came back but he um 
Sean and I saw the hangover part three together. So maybe he remembers the black Sabbath song and, uh, at the end. All right. Uh, yeah, um, I actually kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. I've, I've talked too much. I still have more to do, but I imagine other people have, have things to, to say about needle drops, right? Okay. Can I, uh, there was something you guys touched on and maybe Rico, maybe you have insight into this based on some of the interviews you did, but, and it's, it's come up in the episodes we've done over the last three years. I, I feel like I haven't seen a movie with 92 songs on the soundtrack in many, many years. Maybe Wolf of Wall Street was the last one. Mm. And I don't know. What are you guys thoughts on this? Is there, I feel like it's definitely a trend for less needle drops or just less licensed music. Uh, across the board and yeah maybe it's money issues maybe it's yeah i don't know what it is but uh, yeah I, I i feel like um well guardians of the galaxy movies are, do not have right a, i did i thing. did i did write down yeah <laughs> i was gonna i was yeah i was gonna touch on this later but like who are the guys who are carrying the torch and actually james gunn weirdly is one of is one of those guys. And Edgar Wright, we talked a lot about... Uh, Edgar Wright, yeah. We, yeah, we talked about last night, last night in Soho um, when we did our 2021 needle drops. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I have, though I do have a, a hypothesis as to why this is. Television. Is, it, is it that? It, we'll go. I, I think um, in the stream, move towards streaming music, the soundtrack tie-in album, which used to make a ton of money for studios doesn't anymore and so there's less uh 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 incentive you know i i I talked about like i worked at best buy in the 90s like every movie had a like it's a soundtrack that had a bunch of songs that maybe not weren't even in the movie which is incentive inspired by go ahead incentive for the artists or for the record for the studio yeah all the the above really yeah yeah i think that i think that used to make a lot of money and there's not really an avenue for that anymore sorry go ahead I, I, I couldn't give you exact numbers and you're probably right. I mean, like nineties was like peak people buying the hell out of CDs, but I mean, I can tell you that there's a very, because I'm, I guess because I'm just a, a guy who cleaves to all analog things. I like watching movies on celluloid and I collect <laughs> vinyl because uh, I'm that person, but mm-hmm. like there's a strong, at least niche demand for everything soundtrack on vinyl like there's a huge huge underground of people that like only collect well not only but like specialize in collecting vinyl on soundtrack on vinyl and they put out everything on vinyl and they sell it for mm-hmm. way more than they used to sell cds for it's like we're talking 60 dollars records you wow know, yeah. well speaking of I, i'm i read the other day i'm fairly confident i remember one of the i think the first one the first guardians of the galaxy is one of the better selling albums of recent years is that right yeah and that's just a yeah just a compilation soundtrack sure and that used to be i will give you this though it used to be that soundtracks you know like the american graffiti soundtrack the star wars soundtrack like for big movies like that they used to always just blow up the bodyguard for god's sake you know Mm. I don't know that that's happening. That it's probably not happening so much anymore. I don't know that. I, I, when was the last time? That is interesting. Maybe that's the last time that there was like a big soundtrack that hit the, maybe, I mean, I'll, I'll also say though that Tarantino, I mean, like once upon a time mm. in Hollywood has a double record that has a bazillion oh, wow. tracks on it. Um, and they're all. Good soundtrack. Yeah. It's a fantastic soundtrack. 
that that actually is really i don't know how many people realize this but a lot this is what i think is hilarious about that as a vinyl collector that they put out that record on like 200 gram vinyl it's like incredibly heavy like super deluxe vinyl sold it for a ton of money and everything but i'm pretty sure that on purpose instead of like what a lot of people do and going back and sourcing those songs from the original tracks and then lavishing modern technology on them and getting like the best quality transfers so that it sounds fantastic on those speakers when you put it up in like, you know, the Cinerama dome and stuff like that. He, I'm pretty sure because he wanted it to sound authentic and he was remembering people listening to this music in their cars. Every time you hear this stuff playing on the radio, he actually sourced it from like, he tried to source it from collectors who have tapes that they made of mm -hmm. those radio shows back in the day. So what you're hearing is not some hi-fi transfer. It's like some guy recorded it on like an A-track or whatever the hell they recorded it on back then. And that's what you're, so it's like, I'm getting a 200 gram piece of vinyl to listen to like <laughs> a, fourth generation copy of something that was broadcast over the radio in 1968 or whatever the hell that movie was set. Yeah. And I, I know, know for a lot of his movies to he'll source the songs from like his copies of the records. And so you'll get like certain pops, even if you're like buying it digitally or listening to it on Spotify or something, if you listen to the soundtrack version, this is especially true in uh death proof, which is like, if you oh, yeah. go back and find the actual versions of the songs, like they're usually a little different from the versions that are on the death proof soundtrack. That's amazing. Yeah. But it, but um, this would all go to say that it's like, these are the filmmakers that could command huge budgets. Right. So that is really true. I mean, they're you, not, I'm trying to think of the, like American graffiti soundtrack was a pretty low budget movie, I think for its day. And I don't know that there's that happening. Are there like indie needle drop movies happening? Yeah. I was trying to think like that whole ecosystem of like garden state kind of thinking of like the peak of that kind of form of like the <laughs> Sundance movie pipeline that could still get a good soundtrack budget. Um, I wonder if that kind of coincides with just the decline in like music sales. And so artists have to find their money where they can. So yeah. Well, yeah, I, I do. I do know for a fact that um, licensing is became one of the last, the last, bastions of actual income for a lot of bands so they a lot of yeah maybe a lot of them price themselves out of it and it just but i think away, there's kind of went also away. it seems like the hip ish like thing to do with in the indie world is to find an established like musician in like the indie or whatever realm and hire them to do a score you know mm, yeah. and then you've got basically like like one of tricks point never essentially becomes like a film composer. And now, um, uh, I think Scott and I were just talking in a recent or an upcoming, uh, Patreon. I don't, I never know when they come out. Patreon.com slash battleship attention. We were talking about the hex and cloak, AKA Bobby Krillick, I think is, I never know how you say his name, but he's done the last two Ari Aster movies. And, and, uh, he just did the score for Netflix's beef and, and he's, he's, oh, that yeah, the Hex I had no idea. Is, is still, he is yeah. he credited as the Hex and Cloak on those? I, I don't remember I think, seeing his name. I think on I think he is on Midsummer. Ah, um, and he because yeah. I just saw Bo is Afraid. I don't remember. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure on Bo is Afraid and Beef. I'm almost entirely because I listened to those most recently. I'm pretty sure it's just Bobby Krillick uh, or or whatever. But um, I guess yeah, same difference. But I feel like there are more examples of people who have, um, I mean, I guess the aforementioned Trent Reznor is like essentially yeah. has just become like a full-time film composer. Junkie um, XL, I mean, started as kind of a DJ mashup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Guy. 
Um, you're right. Uh, what is it? Real quick, we were talking about like the limited edition soundtracks they did, and um, uh, Mondo used to put out a lot of those, and it reminded me of uh, one of my favorite. Uh, um, I think it was a San Diego Comic Con exclusive. They did five seven inches of different like A and B like tracks from Inside Out, the Pixar movie. Oh, but each one for a different character uh, or like a different one of the emotions, you know. And each one is a, like a parody of an existing album. I already Joy hate is, this so much. <laughs> Joy is the Isaac Hayes album. Joy. Uh, sadness is Johnny Mitchell's blue. Anger is black flags damaged. Oh, uh, wow. Disgust is holes lived through this. And then was the other guy anxiety or fear, fear, maybe I can't fear, remember. I think. Fear? Uh, he's hunky dory. David Bowie's hunky dory. Wait, are you uh, telling um, me that there's a black flag, a song from black flags damaged has been put out by Disney? No, no it's track. It's, it's Mondo? orchestral track uh, right, it from inside out. But the cover art I see. is oh, a parody yeah. of, of uh, yeah, That's I would cute. show you. I don't know if it'll, it is cute. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm enough of a collector that it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I would not personally buy that, but it's kind of cute. <laughs> there was, I, I mean, I can tell you one of the things that I really have always wanted for whatever reason. I found the remake of Tron to be not good storytelling at all. But if you guys got to see that in a theater, it's, oh my God, is that sure. going to be great to be high to. Oh my <laughs> God. It is so luscious. Oh my God. It looks so good. And it feels so good. That movie. <laughs> it's also really bizarrely languorous. That film for oh, yeah. a major mm-hmm. mainstream mm-hmm. movie is just like, it feels like it was made by somebody on quaaludes but it's like <laughs> the soundtrack for that is uh, daft punk and they put that out on um a series of discs that look like the rings the you know the light rings that they fight with yep. in it and they were each okay. a different color and i can't remember if they were filled with a gel of that color yeah did they glow I think they may have glowed in the, maybe that's it, that they glowed in the dark in different colors. It was, it's like, they're totally appealing to the collector in me, but it's like, uh, that's, that was pretty cool. I wish I had got one of those as a record store day thing. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, um, but if the question is why, I mean, I guess that's as legit a question as any is like, have, yeah. Can you not afford to do a wall-to-wall needle drop movie anymore. I mean, that really was the thing in the 90s, even for just like, but then again, in the 90s, you had that kind of mid-range movie that could be aimed at teenagers or something that I feel mm-hmm. like you don't quite get anymore. You know, like something like uh, Empire Records or something. Is yeah, that great soundtrack? Movie? I mean, not not a not a good, not a good I, movie. I have a, I have a certain I have a certain nostalgic uh, yes. warmness warmth toward it, but uh, it does have. There's some great songs on. Totally. on the empire record soundtrack uh, certainly but are they- yeah again that's that's a case of like it is yes it is wall-to-wall needle drops but then you get i don't know gin blossoms exclusive track to get in the the collectors or whatever and boost right. the sales yeah yep and by the way, according yeah, to the certainly. poster, that is, I mean, maybe this is not news to anybody. It was news to me. Like back in the, in the nineties, labels would kind of budget. They would provide the budget for those records to get their, the soundtracks to get their artists into those movies. Oh, it's exposure. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it was such a big deal because people were buying tons of CDs and it was a way to get yeah. their artists out there. Yeah. Was it, I think like that, um, uh, 
Letters to Cleo's one big hit was basically because it was on the like music from Beverly Hills 90210, I think. You know <laughs> the song right? I'm talking about? Just like just yeah. chilling on a Sunday morning. I can't remember the the name of the song. Uh good song. Um Yeah. But uh yeah, then she went on to be like the voice of Josie and Josie and the Pussycats, right? Isn't she the one singing? Uh yes. well, it's not Rachel E. Cook, it's it's the it's the woman from Letters to Cleo, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm 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 in awe that you know that. <laughs> uh let's just let's just name some more of our favorite needle drops i'm gonna i'm gonna start with the two that came directly to mind one maybe my personal favorite of all time speaking of movies i watched a bajillion times as a a, a late tween early teen uh the opening of train spotting and lust for life that's oh, on my yeah. list and also yeah. the ending of train spotting with boris yes. lippy Oh my Underwood. God. Yeah. We wanted to do that episode so bad this season. <laughs> They're both so good. They are. And it's like, it seems ridiculous to me. Like we couldn't get anybody to agree to do that episode that's involved in that film. And it was just like, are you kidding? Like none of you guys, we reached out to underworld. This here's something interesting about that song. They that, have new music to promote now. They should have jumped on it. You know, they, <laughs> I guess they hate me for no good reason. What did I do? <laughs> But it's like they um, that song was it's like the point of view of a drunk. That's the mm-hmm. point of it. And because and it became a drinking anthem. And my understanding, because people it's misunderstand fun, lager, it, lager, 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 you know, like everybody thinks it's like a drinking anthem. I don't so, think drinking when I hear that. Song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because of the movie, right? You, yeah, yeah, maybe. And, yeah, and it's also when he's cleaned himself up, interestingly, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe why they allowed it to be used. But I, I know from other people that there have been uh, beer ads and liquor ads that have tried to get that song for their ads, and they won't allow it to be used, which is mm-hmm. fascinating to me. And I want to uh, tell that story. It's like, how do you write a song yeah. that's about it? It's basically like, this is the horror of being an alcoholic and then like have alcoholics like go, yeah. Like people raising <laughs> beers in the concert hall to you. It's a um, great song. It, the, and the other one weird, this is, so that was the like obvious one. Wait, did, yeah. Did you want to say something about less for life? Cause that's another just, I, I think I've talked incredible. about before just like um, the, the, it's not an exact match cut, but like the percussion and the opening of Lust for Life and then cutting to uh, Ewan McGregor's converse slapping mm-hmm. on the sidewalk uh, as he's as we realize running away from the cops once we get the, the full story. Um, it's uh, it's 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 one of my favorite just movie introductions of all yep. time. Just yep. like I'm my uh, my my uh, my pulse, my, my blood yeah. is my pulse right? is quickening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that whole soundtrack is, there's so many moments. Most yeah. films are lucky to get like a couple of like, you just remember yeah. the song moments, but yeah. it's like the scene in, with Brian Eno when he's diving into the toilet. Yeah. Just like, yeah. I mean, the when he over, with the overdose. Yeah. Perfect but that's, that's, that's another thing. Just, I mean, maybe these things stick in memory because a certain age is like being like in eighth grade when that movie came out, that was, I think I might've had an idea who Iggy pop was, but that was like my real introduction to Iggy pop, you know, mm-hmm. at the age of like 13 or whatever. Yeah. These things. Yeah. I mean, it's Danny Boyle. He's gotta be one of the, one of the best, but d- does he still do it? I haven't, I'm trying to think what was the last movie that I saw. <laughs> well, he definitely did it in Not, T2. T2, well, yeah. T2 I always forget did. that movie existed. I, like I mean, that y- movie, yesterday, I, I never it. saw yesterday, but 
I don't think I, there's actually any Beatles music in it. I mean, it's about the erasing of the Beatles. How could they? Have right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Yeah, but I, 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 I want to mention the other we- weird one that came into mind mostly just, yeah, because of its weirdness. Okay. Except for, I don't really like Katy Perry except for one song. And I didn't really like the 2012 French uh, doomed romance movie, Rust and Bone, except for the one scene where Marion Cotillard plays a whale trainer at like a SeaWorld type place. And she's rehearsing her whale training routine to firework by Katy Perry. Uh, <laughs> it's a very memorable use of that song. Yeah. Very memorable, where uh, did this come scene. from? Uh, but it's, it's been 10 years over 10. It's probably been 10 years since I've seen that movie. And I I'd never really liked the movie, but uh, that has just really stuck with me. Really? I got to go and check. Yeah. Huh. I feel like I want to watch it right now, but that would be very rude. <laughs> um, I'll watch uh, Mary Co- Marion Cotillard train a whale. She's awesome. But there's, I think there's also something about like using really overproduced kind of garishly slick American pop music in a European art film. Like it seems kind of like <laughs> that sort of irony was talking about with like the, the Dr. Strange love thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that irony is uh, driving one of the picks that I always go to for like favorite use of the pop song in a movie, which is David, I think you saw, I'm not sure if the rest of you saw um, Darth Vader is the house that Jack built. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was at Cannes when it debuted, but oh man, I, I heard use, the scuttlebutt about it. The use of David Bowie's fame in that movie is so good. <laughs> so for those who don't know the house of Jack Bell, and it's not a movie, a movie I can really recommend because it's no. very unpleasant. Um, but there's, a, it's essentially like five different sequences of different murders that the serial killer commits. The second of which um, is this woman whose house he kind of breaks into. She's played by the woman who plays Elaine's roommate on Seinfeld. So yeah, already um, there's like, Siobhan, Siobhan. I, know, I can't remember. I can never remember her name. She's also in, um, no, what's she in? All right. I'll, I'll get, I'll get it. I'll get it. Um, she's in men in black. I don't know. Um, but that's right. Uh, she's, that, is that was, literally like, what you're like thinking of? Yeah. Like he was wearing a suit and yeah. suit. Yeah. Her name. I think it's Siobhan something. Um, Hogan? Siobhan Fallon Hogan. Okay. Yeah. But so, uh, it starts out with him killing her. He already has an impossible time doing that. And it's like kind of darkly funny how long that goes on. And then he loads her body into his van and then starts thinking about all the places her blood might be in the house. And it's revealed that he has OCD. And so he keeps getting out of the van to go back to look at these places, like behind picture frames. The funniest is under the leg of a chair. He imagines yeah. like a little spot of blood being. <laughs> and so it's like this really darkly funny examination of like, I feel like I left the stone up stove on kind of feeling and then a cop rolls up and so he unloads the body from the back of the van the cop like goes and looks in the back of the van he's like nothing there and then the cop goes to inspect the house and uh matt Dillon, who plays the serial killer manages like distract him long enough to run back to his car and then tie the body to the back of the van all this takes place over the course of like 15 minutes by the way it's like an extended scene and then he drives away with the body dragging on the back of the van leading a comically large amount of blood behind him and that's when david bowie's fame kicks in and i lost it laughing and i still laugh every time i think about it I read, by the way, the reason that I mentioned that I was a can was not to mention that I was a can. It was just that like every everybody hated that film so oh, I'm sure. hard it can. So hard. Yeah, I have I shouldn't see it though. I mean, like, could you recommend it to somebody with a stomach? Is that, yeah, one, of the, for is that sure. one of the times where Lars von Trier 
claimed he was a Nazi or something? Uh, no, that was only the one time. That was, that was melancholia. The, when, that was melancholia. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, no, I so I saw this with a packed house because they did this weird theatrical release thing where they released like the unrated cut for like a one night only screening. And so every like demented cinephile in LA rolled up to the Lemley NoHo to go see uh, the house of Jack built. And so it was a packed house that was all on the same wavelength. And so it was weirdly like a great screening. I can imagine it's yeah. like a, the cult that could have been for it. Yeah. 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 As name, that is a great way to drop it. But again, it's the same thing, right? It's like, what does fame really have to do with that? But it kind of works. It kind of works. Um, I thought of another Danny Boyle one, by the, by the way, while we were talking um, from one, one of the lesser celebrated Danny Boyle movies, uh, a life less ordinary. There's a part when, the, cause they're on the, it's another lovers on the run kind of, or in hiding kind of movie. And Ewan McGregor and Cameron Diaz are in like the uh, local saloon at the tiny little mountain town where they're hiding out. And uh, uh, Bobby Darren's beyond the sea uh, gets put on the jukebox. And then it actually, they start singing and then it actually morphs into a full blown musical number with like choreographs and choreography and, and costumes. And they're like dancing on the bar and singing beyond the sea. Mm. I was pretty mentioned beyond the sea. Uh, my wife, Julia reminded me that the end of Tinker Taylor soldier spy has a Spanish cover of beyond the sea. Like as they're like taking care of business and like executing all these guys. And then like Gary Oldman like <laughs> takes his place at the head of the table, but it's like set to this like very cheery Spanish song. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. We rewatched that scene. It plays really well great movie yeah um speaking of spanish covers uh i know it's it's been the movie itself has been talked about too much but the big lebowski the introduction of jesus quintana with the spanish cover of hotel california come on yeah 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 so good the coens are insane with their soundtracks they're so good oh yeah like one of the most uh i guess I guess you would call it one of those badass scenes in Coen Brothers history is uh, Albert Finney laying waste to his uh, potential assassins yeah. in Miller's yeah, Crossing. A literal uh, needle drop. Well, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. That's or, or a phonogram drop. Gramophone <laughs> <laughs> yeah. drop. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's an amazing sequence. Oh my God, I totally forgot about and, that. And it's with also one of those, it's like, it's kind of like with the... Uh, I can't remember what we were talking about, but we were talking about other movies that, or other needle drops that are like almost work against the scene, but end up working. Danny Boy is like a very obvious pick and somehow still kicks ass. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he usually does. He goes straight for the, like, this is what this is about in a way. Uh, needle drops. They're not, the well, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Unlike the, yeah. But the what uh, I mean, the thing, and I'm not saying this because we did it in the season. I was happy. In fact, we almost didn't do it in the season. But one of my favorite needle drops is in Donnie Darko, which is the sure. he, the head over heels. Uh, which sequence. I haven't seen in a long time. Which part is that? It is played over the montage when you're introduced to his high school and oh, the camera cool. is kind of yeah. floating in slow motion and then also speeding up, slowing down and speeding up through the mm. high school as we see everything. And it's amazing in rewatching it in my mind, I remembered it as being all slow motion and all very elegaic and actually in rewatching it is also, there's some fast motion and some of it is ridiculous. And what it captures, I realized is that it is simultaneously being used ironically and totally sincerely at the same time. So it's like, Mm. because it's set in the eighties, it's a period piece. It's almost making fun of the eighties teen movie where there's like, like the guy that they got to play the kind of bully 
is, by the way, a musician, a guy from the band Phantom, the lead singer of the band Phantom Planet. He, he's got that like yeah. buzz cut, weird buzz cut hair. And he's kind of this weird bully in the movie. He's uh, Seth Rogen is also in that movie. People often forget. And he's like yeah, Seth Rogen's buddy. I don't remember that. Minor role. But like you see him in slow motion, like snorting coke off a mirror and like giving these like overly ridiculous sneers to like the teachers and things like that. So in a way it's making fun of that character and that stereotype from eighties movies. But then it also ends with the little girls, including Donnie Darko's little sister doing like cheerleading moves to this song that is so beautiful. Like tears for fears head over heels is just such a gorgeous song that it, it ends on that. And that's what you're left with is this kind of feeling of nostalgia and youth and like the glow of the, the California sun on this thing with this song at the end of which is like funny how time flies. Mm-hmm. If you were around in the eighties or if you care about the eighties, or even if you're just kind of a nostalgic kind of person, it gives you this ache in your soul. And to pull all that off and what is an edit of that song, it's not the entire song. It's only like a minute and a half of the song or something, two sure. minutes. It really, there's a reason why it sticks in people's heads. I went and looked at it on YouTube, but there's like 2 million views on one of the postings of it. And that's not the only one that's out there. Feels like a lot of people get it. It's funny how, how, you can have nostalgia for a period you never experienced. I mean, isn't Richard, wasn't Richard Kelly nine years old or something in 1988? <laughs> he was, old. he wasn't very old. Yeah. He was, uh, he was 25 when he made it in 99. So what does that make him? And uh, uh, four, so he would have been like 13 14. Yeah. Yeah. 13. Oh, okay. Okay. A little closer than um, I thought, but yeah. But, but I will Speaking say the guy who, of, oh, oh, go, no, go ahead, go ahead the guy who did the score for that movie, Michael Andrews is an older person. And he actually, I never, I, I actually got to interview uh, Richard Kelly for that episode. And I didn't ask him if this was true, but he claims that there was the uh, song at the end of the movie um, by the, uh, Oh man, I'm losing it. Anyway, he thought one of the, apparently Richard Kelly thought one of the songs that he deployed at the end of the movie was an echo in the bunny men song. And it's not an echo in the bunny men <laughs> song. And it's because Richard Kelly is too young to really have lived it. <laughs> that's what he um, says a couple things about Donnie Darko I'm remembering seeing it in the theater and getting so jazzed when uh, the needle dropped if you will on Notorious by Duran Duran that I started tapping my foot and accidentally kicked the chair of the guy in front of me and he turned around and gave me a really dirty look uh, and then also speaking of Donnie Darko and speaking of Tears for Fears I mean look I like I like Gary Jewell's cover um, of uh, what's it called? Mad uh, World mad world as much as anybody but do we have that to blame for 20 years of movie yes. trailers with the yes. sad slow ver- cover of a song <laughs> it is it is often contri- uh, that is attributed to the uh Kalachny brothers cover of creep that they used in the trailer of um social network social, social network. network yeah, yeah i remember That's that what a yeah. lot of people attribute it to that but i am a hundred percent with you that i yeah. think it started with mad world for sure yeah Yes. Yeah, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard. I, I, I still I prefer the Tears of Fears Mad World anyway, um, but it's hard to separate the 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 blame. I think the worst um, the worst one of those I remember from a movie that I didn't see, but I know Scott likes the Cure for Wellness 
had the slowed it, but it had the slowed down um i want to be sedated uh oh no oh, yeah man. that that was pretty that obnoxious Who's, it's just in the trailer though oh okay. uh, i don't think it's i don't think a lot of these aren't in the movies you know like the Adventure, that, yeah, avengers right. avengers of age, age of ultron had the like i've got no strings from pinocchio but all like slow and creepy it was yeah. just a trailer doesn't he say that in the movie though i think so it's been a while yeah yeah I'm never gonna watch that again uh, <laughs> uh all right anybody else do we have any um you needed to get to i have i have a a, a few more um i am gonna as soon as this taping is over i'm gonna think of ten thousand. i didn't you yeah. should have told me that i should have come to the table with like a bunch of favorites yeah there I mean, are yeah, so few i have oh go ahead sean okay uh i'll uh we can take turns but um, right. can we just do like a scorsese round because like to me oh yes He's he's probably the best, or certainly yeah. you know, way up there. So I think I I go jumping Jack Flash and Mean Streets is huge with Robert De Niro's character's introduction. That's a that's, that's a big one. I, I was gonna say, but okay, you have to remind me because I haven't seen Mean Streets in a long time, and I know when we do our year end thing, we generally try to avoid doing just like closing credits songs because mm-hmm. it seems a lot. Um, but is Be My Baby, is that the closing credits song? No, that's early on. I think is it's the, the opening credits, credits though. It's yeah. the opening, credits. yeah. Okay, that's a little that bit. Sounds right. Yeah. Okay, so that might be another great one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for the Scorsese stuff, I just thought of the obvious ones because, honestly, they were most impactful to me. Like, Then He Kissed mm-hmm. Me and Goodfellas. Um, and, like, I know it's cliche and very broy, but shipping up to Boston and Departed, when that yeah. hit, seeing Pretty that, like, good. opening night... And the crowd just freaking out. It's pretty great. No, that was like, I have come around on departed, but I think one of, one of the major things that I didn't like about the time. And just generally finding the dropkick Murphy's, especially second vocalist dropkick Murphy's after the, Mm. like, which is like, yeah, not the guy from the first album. Um, I did not like them. I found them, uh, uh, kind of embarrassing. Well, I don't, I don't Um, like them either, but I, I think it works. Okay. Yeah, yeah um, totally. By the way, there's a comedian that said something along the lines of like uh, Boston radio um, basically went up to Sublime, then skip forward to the Dropkick Murphy song from The Departed and stopped. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, well, I, have, I, have, yeah. I have another Scorsese one, but come back to me because I'm trying to remember the uh name of the artist okay i i have some some personal favorites um uh just in casino there's a sequence i think i forget a lot of the plot specifics it's been years but there's a sequence when things are going very poorly for robert de niro and i think they like shoot up his house but what i remember most is that it's the devo cover of satisfaction by the rolling stones and then it yeah and then there's the part where he's singing baby, 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 baby. And it segues into this machine gun fire. And it's one of the, one of the all time uses, uh, for me. Yeah. Way up there. Um, I still can't. Okay. So, uh, I, I have it pulled up here and I, I still not entirely, uh, sure. Oh, is it called love is strange by Mickey and Sylvia? Yes. Are you and gonna, it's it's that's the, in Badlands too, by the way. 
Oh, okay. But in Casino, am I right? It's um, like kind of Sharon Stone's like character introduction. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. like, yeah. she's like the like doll on the arm of the guy gambling, and then like he wins, and she like tosses the chips in the air in slow motion. This sounds it's, yes, this sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I rewatched Casino somewhat recently. It's the first um, UHD Blu-ray I watched when I got a UHD Blu-ray player and and TV. Wow, why that? Um, my, so the UHD Blu-ray t- player was a gift for my wife and she bought me a few UHD Blu-rays to go with it and she loves casino. So basically she picked, uh, <laughs> she picked casino. I haven't seen that since it came out. Does it and I think up? she loves casino it's... largely because she loves Sharon Stone's character, which, uh, I mean, or loves Sharon Stone's performance. I don't know. It's hard to love ginger, but, uh, it's a great, <laughs> great performance. <laughs> I, I just I remember when it came out like it's a really solid movie because it's Scorsese that doesn't make any non-solid movies but it's like I remember it being a letdown after uh, mm. because it was his first one was it his first one post Goodfellas am I out of my mind? I think it was Age of Innocence right yeah he did Age of Innocence and I think Cape Fear was also in between oh, yeah, those Cape two Fear. and yeah yeah because Cape Fear is right after Goodfellas his, right? His, yeah, yeah it's definitely yeah, his right. first his most I don't know what Scorsese ish or sure. Yes, more it was what, more what you would want. I think people expect. were kind of like, oh, another back to the mob movie. I right. think that's why right. it was like, he's going back to his roots. This is going to kill. And it was like, that's pretty good for him. But maybe I'm wrong. I should go back I, and revisit. I, I yeah, think I, it holds up very well. Yeah. I, yeah. And um, Robert Richardson's cinematography is awesome. As it's real pretty. He was in, he was in, Robert Richardson was in that mode here and in the aforementioned Natural Born Killers, where like, he would hang a light in the center of the scene. Like people would be on the table and he'd hang a light just above the frame. And there'd just be a super white spot in the middle of the table or sometimes on Woody Harrelson's bald head. And that's the, like, like there was actually like danger of Woody Harrelson, like getting like burned from uh, Robert Richardson hanging lights so close to his head uh, in, in, in natural born killers. Um, I'm revealing that I know a lot about natural. Yeah. It's a little scary, (laughs) but that's cool. But yeah, it was, it was an obsession of mine as a kid. And then I did the thing of like distancing myself from it. Like, Oh, it's so obvious, you know, let her like, let her know. Uh, Oliver Stone thinks he's like saying something profound, but it's like really servicey. And now I've come back to being like, yeah, but it's like super awesome. (laughs) Yeah. uh, You know, it's actually here's a, here's a, I'm also going to date myself a little bit with this, but uh, the, a sound a, a movie that is all about the soundtrack and it actually has a really interesting story is uh, singles oh yeah the, oh uh, sure Cameron Crowe sure. movie and that i have had like the weirdest relationship with that movie like when it came out it was like you don't speak for any you don't speak for a generation man this doesn't like this has, doesn't even barely capture what's really going on and then it was like but sorry when it came out it was kind of i had that attitude to the world, but internally I was like, kind of like that movie. Yeah. And then later I watched it and I was like, this movie sucks. And then at another point, I think it was like uh, just a few years ago, I watched it again. And now nostalgia has just like obliterated any problem that I have with that movie. Even though there's a lot of things that are wrong with that movie. It's just like, I don't care. It's just the nineties and God love it. But uh, a lot of good stuff in that soundtrack. Speaking of like uh, people buying the soundtrack to be like the collector thing. Like, yeah. Smashing pumpkins. Uh, Starla. Is that the name of the song? No, no it's uh, drown, right? It's drown. drown. Yeah. Sorry. Starless on Pisces is scary. I get it confused. Yeah. Drown. That's the only place you can get it. So that's why I had it. But that also has Alice in Chains and yeah. 
that drum and, lick is one of the greatest guitar licks yeah. ever, by the way. And the movie itself has the members of Pearl Jam as Matt Dillon's band members, right? Yep, that's right. But here's the thing that's crazy about that story is that it felt when it came out like it was a total cash-in on the grunge thing. The mm-hmm. actual story of that is that he was friends with all those guys because he, like his wife was a freaking musician yeah. at the time. And he was into all of those bands and he made this movie, put them in it, used all of that music before it was a big deal. Then the studio didn't want to put it out um, because they didn't like it. They didn't think it was very good. And then when those bands hit, they were like, okay, we'll put it out as long as you can get all these bands to sign onto the soundtrack. They made, they put the movie out for that soundtrack. So, and he's like, great. And now Cameron Crowe then gets this thing is like, he's cashing in on a fat that he was like totally involved with. It's or gentle bastard. Um, whose turn is it? I, I, I've been talking too much. I think else. it's Scott's. Uh, yeah. One, I definitely think of right away. Um, Come sail away and Virgin suicides. Great. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I think that captures like the feeling of being at a really good school dance, like better than anything where like, mm-hmm. yeah, the music's a little cheesy, but every feeling it. And like, it's like such a bright spot in the middle of a really depressing movie that it makes then what, hits later hit all the harder um speaking of teens partying um the olivia sayas movie cold water olivia sayas is really good with using american music and usually during kind of closing credits but um there's this lengthy kind of party at like an abandoned warehouse and they're putting on different tracks like five different tracks cycling throughout this and then it culminates in uh ccr's up around the bend and they built this like huge bonfire and they're just like tossing chairs and doing like breaking windows and just like going crazy. And it's such a great like explosion of teen energy. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a, a big favorite. Yeah. I think the first Olivia Sayas movie that I ever saw would have been um, late August, early September. And one of the characters actually goes to see stereo lab in, in that movie. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, I remember that part. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. Oh man, I have to go back and check that. That's and now that's you know a document like that singer mm-hmm. is no longer with us. Yeah, Bless. yeah. Um, that's amazing. By the way, that you just reminded me, uh, blow up. Um, mm. the yardbird scene in blow up. Yeah, how uh, about that? Okay, but does that count? Oh, that's true. I do think that they had released that, but I'm not sure. I think that that record was already out, but I may okay. be wrong. I could be totally wrong though. Maybe I'm wrong. You're right. Maybe that is another thing. That whole soundtrack. Wait, I I have to admit, I haven't seen Blow Up. Are they actually performing it? Is that why it doesn't count? Yeah. And I don't know if they're performing their version of a song that they already had recorded. Right. And you're right. They may not have, because originally it was supposed to be The Who. And they had the kind of The Who backed out of it. And then they got the Yardbirds to do it. And I wonder if that was just one of their songs that they had in there. That could be like a whole other episode, though, like bands like actually performing in movies like uh is it cannibal yeah. corpse and ace ventura uh, yep. <laughs> which reminds me i know this isn't movies it's tv but it's one of sean's favorite tv shows of all time treme uh, <laughs> uh they they go to see is it is, is i hate god crowbar maybe it is i hate god it's i think one of those they i think I, yeah one of those yeah. Bands. yeah 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 i do remember that yeah amazing all soundtrack right. actually for treme yeah um uh, i was giving Sean grief because he doesn't like Treme and I love it. Uh, really? Yeah, I haven't thought yeah. about Treme for a few years. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, okay, I'm going to go again. I can't remember whose turn it is, but I'm going to go because we did a lot. We talked a lot about Tarantino, but um, one there's not a lot of romance in Tarantino movies. Um, so when it 
it, it happens. It's it's uh, it stands out. And so oh, there's you, true romance. Uh, well, yeah. I guess as a as a director, I was I was saying. Um, but uh, the Delphonics um, didn't I blow your mind this time in um, in in Jackie Brown? Yeah, you got to give them uh, that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's especially great because it connects like the personal thing of pop culture where like he goes out and buys the tape because Jackie recommended it. And then yeah. he just can't stop listening to it because it makes him think about her. Um, yeah. And it's so kind of that cool. personal connection that Tarantino doesn't always, or I would see even often latch into with his use of music. I felt like that movie was going to be a new direction for him. It's really too bad that that movie now it's been, of course, I think totally been reevaluated. And I think a lot of people realize it's one of his best, but at the time I think it, it was not as respected and it almost nudged him into a more genre direction. Big time. Like, mm-hmm. And it's in a way it's sad. I mean, I still love a lot of the movies that he's done, like deeply, deeply love yeah. a lot of the movies that he's done since then. But I always, for up until that movie, I was kind of like, you just wait, you see what this kid can do. Does it, he's got an observe, you know, and yeah. the way that he observes human character, you know, like even though there's all this genre stuff going on, he like has a keen eye. He's going to do amazing things that go beyond this. And it's like that movie was like, see, look at it. He can really pull some of this stuff off. And then he just like abandoned it, I think. Yeah. He sort of came back to it in parts of uh, the Once Upon a Time and all. Yeah, I thought the last one was a, yeah, a little yeah. more in that vein. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, who's uh Sean? You got another one? I still have, have a few more. Sure, I got plenty. Um, I guess I'll just throw it out there, just because it's like one of the most iconic. But Goodbye Horses, Silence yeah, that's of the on Lights. my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, but I mean, also obviously kind of like because that's kind of dicey now, you know, because we think of like that portrayal sure, yeah. of trans people uh, in that movie being. Uh, there's definitely uh, questionable, discussion to, hurtful. Yeah. yeah. But it's a great song. It is. And that's that scene. That's right. Yeah. Um, there's also the American girl in that movie, which actually, when I, uh, talked to, um, Richard Kelly, he mentioned that as his, like, uh, like a essential needle drop for him seeing it, that in that movie. Um, Oh, you remember me, Tom Petty, Cameron yeah. Crowe, personal connection to music when Jerry Maguire's like, in a great mood and he's driving with the windows down and he's just looking for a song that he knows the words to so that he can sing along. And then it ends up on free fall. And, uh, that's a great scene. That is a, a scene that was thought up by a music fan for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's, who's got another one? Uh, let's see. Oh, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the 2006 Jason say the movie crank. Um, but yeah. there's an amazing part where like, so the premise of crank is that uh, he has to keep his heart beating above a certain beat in order to stay alive because he got injected with this, like lethal drug or something. Um, and so at some point he like gets injected with like these high dose of uh, like a, some kind of adrenaline drug. I can't remember what it is, but at a hospital and essentially like m- makes him run like super fast and he drives on a motorcycle. <laughs> and then uh, while he's like blitzed out on this drug, uh, Harry Nilsson's everybody's talking comes on <laughs> and he like stands on top of the motorcycle and like kind of surfs it. And then he crashes and the song ends. It's so great. I love that. But what's so funny about that song is that I don't think it's ever been used in a way that totally makes sense. Right. That's what, like even in midnight cowboy, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. It it's doesn't like, really play there as well. Yeah. Well, I love it. I mean, like it, that for me, it works somehow, but it's like, it's this like, Oh, everybody's talking like yeah. this little yeah. folksy song about a, you know, prostitute. <laughs> um, 
So I cut out a little bit there, but um, you remind because uh, Harry Nelson also does. Um, he does. I can't live if living is without you. Is that him too? He sang it. He did he not. Sang it. He did not write the song. Okay, but I think his version of it. Yeah, I think it's in, the most popular. Um, the rules of attraction when uh, which it's iffy movie, but it's an actual suicide <laughs> scene of a, a, a girl yeah. like slash, slashing her wrist in the like communal dorm bathroom uh, because because of a boy, and uh, it's I can't live with living without you. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like Brett Easton Ellis. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of oh. Harry Nelson and, and also tying into the using scores sort of from other movies um, in Punch Drunk Love, uh, he uses uh, He Needs Me from the Popeye movie. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think it's a little cheap because I think Bri- John Bryan added maybe something or, or tweaked the recording, but that to me is another one of a, a, a great use of a, it's not score, but I think it, it, the song was written for the movie and he just plucked it out and put it in, into Munchstruck Love and it works. I got it's it. It's so romantic. Yeah. I love that movie so much. And John Bryan's score, anything John Bryan does the score for is just. An yeah. We can't talk about scores, but he's, yeah, that, yeah. that one's incredible. Yeah. By the way, I just reminded myself of, uh, uh, um, uh, American Psycho has about a sure, thousand yeah. great needle drops, including, mm-hmm. of course, uh, Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis, yeah, yeah. Have to be square. Become a meme. Um, uh, this guy's on big on my mind because he passed away recently. But um, Harry Belafonte in in Beetlejuice, you know the uh, uh, ghosts and you know dancing to uh, is it the yeah uh, boatman song or yeah the banana. What's yeah. it called? Is it called the Boatman song? I think, but it's like, um, yeah, six foot, seven foot, yeah. eight, eight foot, foot bunch. bunch. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't talked Dale, about, I, Dale I guess. It's called. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dale. Scott, Scott talked about um, the David Bowie kind of as punchline, but we haven't talked about a lot of like comedic needle drops. Oh, well, there, yeah. You reminded me, this is kind of an ironic one. The very famous, uh, uh, werewolf transformation scene in an American werewolf in London is set to blue moon by Sam. Right. right. <laughs> so good. That's good. Yeah. I feel like that yeah, movie would good. not be as remembered as it is. If it wasn't for the soundtrack, it is so goddamn clever. It just makes a lot of scenes that are, yeah. that are cool for sure. Way cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other like funny ones. Uh, what's the song in, um, I never even saw the movie, but it was in the trailer. The Jake Gyllenhaal is in Moonlight Mile, right? That's, That's a, a movie. movie. Isn't there a scene? It's in the trailer where like he comes out from like they've just come been at a funeral and he's got like the dead girl's parents in his car with him and he starts the car and the radio is on full blast. But I can't remember what song it is. But it's in the trailer for the movie. I but I never saw the movie. It's a funny idea. You got me. Yeah, I don't know it. Yeah. Um For some reason, the thing that came to mind because I've been thinking about it a lot. We this is one of the guys we talked to too was uh, um, the use of um, the first time this was ever used as a needle drop. Believe it or not, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, the Yellow Song, Oh Yeah, which is now one of the most ubiquitous tunes in history. But what I'd totally forgotten is that that's used twice. I remember that it was used, you know, to introduce the car, which is the obvious way that you would use that song. 
Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. the perfect song for that. But then they use it again in the end credit sequence when Rooney, the principal, after he's been just like battered and torn through the whole movie, has <laughs> to take a ride from his own school's school bus and gets on the bus with all of the That's other funny. like dweebs that yeah. he <laughs> usually looks down upon. And they're playing the exact same song in this totally different context. Yeah. And then it's so beautifully ironic. Pretty um, cool. I don't know why all of my like funny ones are like dark, but uh, when Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss are getting murdered in us and he, and Tim Heidecker says, it's not, it's not Alexa, but it's like Alexa call the police. And it says now playing fuck the police. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that song starts playing super loud. That's really good. Yeah. Stabbed to death or whatever. He's good. Actually. Jordan Peele has some really good, Oh yeah, well, we stuff. talked yeah. because we did our like best needle drops of 2022. We talked about Nope, Nope, for sure, uh, and we talked about Wendell Wild. Wild not, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure how much he had, say he had, but I would bet that he had a lot. Um, uh, yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I would assume the same. Yeah, it was like, um, are there any in like high fidelity? Oh yeah, the ending is <laughs> like I can't remember. I believe it or not, I had never heard the song. I believe I could fall in love by Stevie Wonder until mm-hmm. I saw that movie, and it's that I, I really like that movie, but that ending is 10,000 times better because that song is what comes down at the very end and summarizes his journey, you know? Sure. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, on the more comedic side though, maybe kind of, maybe the beta band thing. Oh yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Maybe. Yeah. I yeah. Now I actually it's definitely a, so a well-remembered one. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in so long, but uh, I remember that. Oh, well, now um, sell 10 copies of the beta band. Album. Yeah. Yeah. And that was also the Spando Ballet joke when it's like, uh, when he catches the kids stealing and he's like looking at the records, like Spando Ballet, what are you stealing records for your parents? Uh, <laughs> That's right. right. Uh, there's also from that movie uh the first and this was maybe the first time i'd well maybe not but the first time i'd really paid attention to jack black is his introduction in that movie where he puts on walking on sunshine oh he rips yeah off yeah that's right bell and sebastian he, he yeah. insists that bell and sebastian will not music. Be yeah which is walking on sunshine is also an american psycho right isn't it um maybe. i think it's like we get like a helicopter shot of the city and then it cuts to uh, inside the back of the limo and Reese Witherspoon is trying to talk about wedding plans and he's listening to walking on sunshine on his like <laughs> very then current, like puffy orange, like little uh, Sony Walkman headphones. I think that's the song. It's been a while since I've watched American psycho. That's God. good. Um, the movie is so brilliant. I, I have one more on my list, but it's not a funny one. It's actually like a sad part in a movie that is otherwise pretty funny. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we can move on from that. I was just, and, but this is the last one I'm going to talk about, but I just, I love uh, I like Massive Attack a lot. I love the song Angel, and in Guy Ritchie's Snatch, which has a lot of yeah. like needle drops and fun stuff. But like the part when Brad Pitt's character realizes that the caravan has been set on fire with his mother inside, and she's died, and it's like in slow motion, and they're like having to hold him back from trying to run into the fire. It's uh, Angel by Massive Attack, which is the absolutely beautiful song. Um, the West Wing also used it in the season four finale um, when the aforementioned Elizabeth Moss, Elizabeth Moss gets kidnapped. Um, oh, wow. It's also uh, Angel, but uh, great song. Like- this is a movie podcast, so I'm talking about movies. By the way, this is something that, I, I mean, this is a movie podcast and I get it, but maybe that is what, it, it, you know, instead of having wall-to-wall, you know, movies with wall-to-wall soundtracks, we've got TV shows 
that often have like, that's where a lot of the needle drops are happening. Definitely. Like it's a thing to have a needle drop in your end credits of your movie. And like, uh, in your TV show, I mean, and poker face is just, I've all watched it. Deep cuts. Okay. I can't wait. totally yeah. watch it. Yeah. It's and it's, list. but it's nuts. And there's some really deep cuts that. Uh, well, Ryan I, Johnson, he's had, he's had some, some solid ones in his movies as well. Um, this is true. What was it? What, uh, the, the first knives out, what was it? Sweet Virginia, right? Oh yeah. Am I remembering right? Yes. Just rewatch that. Thing. And then the Be- the Beatles, obviously in, in the newer one. Yeah. 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 We talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm tapped out, but I know Sean has a bunch. Okay. Anybody else? Scott, Scott, do you still have some? Yeah. I'll just run through real quick and then let Sean uh, take it from there. Um, I think death proof is Tarantino's best music. Oh, uh, last uh, tight when they, uh, okay. Arrange them. So, oh, damn it. Did I fall out again? Yeah, um, yeah. I just talk about uh death proof. I think it's Tarantino's best music movie. It's like the cleanest, most adventurous use of the music that he did and definitely hold tight when they're, uh, when the first yes. group of girls get murdered, uh, dark ending, but man, what a rock and start that has, uh, American honey, um, has a great on my uh, list. We found love. It's so yeah. on point And so summarizes what the it's in there twice. For. Yeah. Yeah. That's We're right. T- yeah. They bring it yeah. back. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's a great one. That's a great yeah. One. Uh, fear and loathing opening with combination of the two by Janis oh, Joplin. Um, cause the book when they're driving down the freeway is uh, sympathy for the devil. And so they, to take out a song that famous and replace it with something, I think that fits the mood of the movie even better. It's a good choice. Um, we didn't mention many like early stuff, but McCabe and Mrs. Miller using the Leonard Cohen songs, especially stranger song. So good. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Leonard Cohen's a hit. I love yeah, that. Yeah, we've, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm going to blow it, but we've gotten this far without mentioning hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, Come on. Uh, so shrek right Obviously. it's a shrek that's right yeah <laughs> yes. it is <laughs> yeah of all the uses i you know pulled up a bunch of lists of like best needle drops ever and of all the use of holly someone the only one i found in any list was from shrek <laughs> um, oh, well, yeah i mean the watchman one is definitely memorable yeah sure. uh, that. But i don't know if it's great yeah yeah um Smoke gets in your eyes, but the platters have been used in like a billion movies. Um, yeah. But uh, Ho Shao Shen used it at the beginning of three times to set up to a pool scene and okay. not pool like swimming, pool like billiards. And it's so smooth and such a great bar tone. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, The Winter Takes All by Ava in Bergman Island, uh, where uh, Mio Vasakaska is just like losing your mind dancing. Okay. Joy. Yeah, I think that came great. up when we did that year, right? Oh, really? I wasn't, oh, yeah, well, that Scott wouldn't have been there. I'm, I wouldn't have uh, been sure. that year. Yeah, I, I'm sure you and I talked. Yeah, about that it. was, yeah, that's a good one. Because that, that movie, I think I said, I, I think I put that movie at like six or seven on my top 10 list that year. And having rewatched it again since, that might have been too low. Yeah, it was uh, number two on mine. So yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Great. Yeah. Um, one kind of deep cut I always like to bring up just as a little like uh, poke. Not that I like to poke it. P.T. Anderson was like maybe my favorite modern American director. But um, so in Inherent Vice, he drops the uh, can song Vitamin C like to do the opening credits, like right after kind of the mystery kind of gets laid out, just yep. kick the movie off. Um, Sam Fuller's Dead Pigeon on Beethoven Street uses the exact same song at the exact same moment. It's also like a detective oh, wow. mystery movie. And like right after they do like the opening scene and kind of like set up the plot, um, the credits kick in and so does Can's Vitamin C. And I was like, P.T. Anderson definitely stole this 100%. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's really, it was really wild to see. 
um let's see uh lost in translation also another opening track girls um by death in vegas so captures like the feeling of getting off a plane and being just like completely jet-lagged and bleary-eyed um and it's just a great intro to tokyo in general that entire soundtrack is just unstoppable so so good yeah um and then i couldn't not mention uh bohemian rhapsody in wayne's world it's obvious but it plays <laughs> yeah. and it's great and i didn't put it because i knew you were good absolutely yeah. as the yeah. world's number one wayne's world fan i knew Obviously. you were gonna bring it up <laughs> oh man what about oh we haven't i mean two things we haven't mentioned is wes anderson and uh, like oh, any of his well, yeah. of things and um repo man soundtrack which is all almost all neat well i take it back it's not all needle drops but there's plenty in them yeah and, yeah I like repo man's a big one yeah i mean i'm this isn't a needle drop but Emilio Estevez is just like screaming the words the tv party like barely, yeah, barely yeah. singing just like kicking beer cans around and singing that yeah it does appear uh, in another scene i think yeah it's, it's at the party i think yeah at some party yeah. yeah that that's a great example of uh yeah just using music uh just to kind of like set the time and place not necessarily to comment on any action or scene or anything but just kind of getting you into the vibe and by the way Wes anderson, I, I mean i i've come around west anderson in a lot of ways but i've always been a bit of a skeptic um and some of the early needle drops feel a little too self-conscious for me you know needle in the hay um i love uh What's the? I'm drawing a blank now on the name of the band, the name of the song in Rushmore. Being the song that's like, that's the creation. The creation. We are painter yeah. men. Uh, that's that's a great, great song. But I mean, I, I, as with our annual like list, I, I try to refrain from just picking a song because I love the song. It is yeah, but I, I think song. it, I think it works with that montage extremely well. Totally. And by the way, I just gave the wrong, I gave the name of the album that it was on, not the song title. It's like, what is the name of that song? It's like making time, making time. That's right. Yeah. So good. And all those, uh, yeah. I also yeah. love that the reason that most of the bands are on that album is because they wanted bands that dressed like gentlemen, but had a punk spirit. Just like the main. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it doesn't really matter what they sound like. And it's true. It's like, they've got cat Stevens and like this garage rock on it. It's just as long as they yeah. wore ties. <laughs> Love it. Um, um, okay. I'll throw out a few. I mean, I've I got a long list, but um, sexy beast, the opening with the uh, peaches by the stranglers yeah. oh, is a man. great one. Um, yeah. It's like the most it. British thing you could do. I feel right. like. Yeah. It's so, Bacon. yes, it's perfect for that. Boiling. Sweltering. <laughs> <laughs> roasted yeah so good. um i'm so looking forward to that movie by the way his his new one did oh yeah the new yeah. does it have a is it coming out it's uh debuting a can ah so I we'll see it next it. year <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah i hope sooner i'm a big fan um a song i never thought was creepy uh at all until I saw Zodiac, uh, Hurdy Gurdy Man by Donovan in that in that first that first I think it's the first murder sequence, yes, opening. Yeah. Can I tell yeah. so I um I worked at the Arclight when Zodiac came out. Um wow. and when you're working in the actual Cinerama Dome, for those we're all Angelinos here, people outside Angelin uh, Los Angeles don't know necessarily what we're talking about, but the Cinerama Dome, there aren't like doors 
to the theater. There's just like you walk up the ramp and maybe there's a curtain or something. I can't remember. It just goes dark. So that means you can when you're working concessions, you can hear the whole movie. So I heard Zodiac in full like probably three times before I saw it. Um, and I kind of couldn't wait to like actually see it was hearing hurdy gurdy man as I was like filling the last people's popcorns every, every time. And I couldn't wait to, to see it, but even like having so much of the movie audially orally spoiled for me, I still, I still love it. It's the movie that turned me around on, on Christopher Nolan. On, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, David Fincher? Uh, David, David, David Fincher is what I meant to say. Um, they're very similar very similar artists. no yeah and, and i haven't yet been fully turned around like christopher nolan <laughs> it was just wishful thinking dunkirk is a good one dunkirk that is exactly the one that i always point to yeah that i like like he can really do it if he is i don't know i don't know what it was about that movie that he just killed it i don't know why but i i've i've always been a, a little bit of a skeptic too i appreciate his movies but i'm just have never been on board fully but that movie I'm on board for it. Sorry, but that doesn't have any needle drops in it. Yeah. No use here. Um, I thought of another nineties one from my childhood. Um, the crow, the scene where he comes back and he's like putting the makeup on is, is a song called burn by the cure. Oh man. I actually know that song. It's been so it's, but it's been so long since I've seen the movie that I, I don't really remember. Is it good? Is the crow good? I think so. I think that was when Alex Proyas was good. He made The Crow and he made Dark City and then he stopped making good movies, I think. I remember it had a lot of style. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Or it like, seemed was, like it yeah. to me at that age, yeah. Was it just that it was stylish and we had, you know, the horror of what happened to Brandon Lee? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. But I can totally yeah. imagine that. That was also the era where all those movies had great soundtracks kind of gothy yeah. soundtracks yeah i'm trying to remember what did a blade have a gothy soundtrack oh i wonder what was on the blade soundtrack i'm gonna google that <laughs> do you have any more okay. uh yeah well while, while oh, yeah i'm just gonna i'll throw out a couple more um this one's for you david um dragonaut by sleep in gummo that's a great little short I, sequence when they're riding their bikes around i've never seen gummo but i love oh, sleep i did not nuts. know that it's really yeah it's, i'm kind of shocked seeing. Yeah, it's a good scene, and I think you would like that movie. Yeah, I have a feeling that you would like it too. By the way, Randall Poster also did the music for it. He was he was he on Gummo? Yeah, he did. Oh. Um, Kids was one of the very first things that oh. he did. Randall Poster, one of his first movies that he was the music supervisor for, and he did it because uh, the he read the script, and the first page of the script is uh, a film by the world famous Harmony, a script by the world famous Harmony Korine. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 18 when he wrote it and had done nothing else. So he was like a big fan of Harmony Corinne's and the success of kids soundtrack allowed them to get the budget for the gummo soundtrack. So right. if you, okay. if you want to, no if you want a strange and entertaining and awkward and just great watch, look for the compilation of Harmony Corinne interviews on Letterman on YouTube I think it's three different appearances. It's really like, it's totally worth watching. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I'm looking at the blade soundtrack and I'm kind of surprised because I associate it with like, I thought it'd be more like rave, like industrial, like techno music. Techno, yeah. It's list of these are mystical or mystical Gangstar, KRS one. Uh, this sounds like inspired uh, Monty, by busy bone music. Uh, yeah it's, were these it's actually in the movie or was it like that's this a good is question what, i didn't i didn't this see is that what, 
Oh, you're right. Music from and inspired by. You're right. Um, real quick, I wanted to mention uh, this is kind of a funny one. Um, and and you mentioned a metal band, uh, Sean. Mm-hmm. So in uh, Monsters University, when the monsters, I know what you're going to say because you. Yeah, you've the, talked the about mod- this before. They get their like mom to drop them off at their like whatever thing, and and they're like, "You're just gonna wait here, mom." And he's and, and she's like, like you know, suburban mom, but she's a monster. She's like, "Oh yeah, I'll just be sitting here with my tunes." And as she rolls up the van window, a Mastodon song starts playing, like and that's like an older Mastodon song from when they were like more more metal. Uh, it's yeah. called Island. Um, yeah, that's awesome that's song. Yeah, uh, got a laugh out of me at the time. That's a good one. Yeah. There's also, am I remembering that Iron Man, the first Iron Man, that they didn't drop the the Black Sabbath song until the very end? Am I remembering that? I will say that that was... It's like the the last line of dialogue and then the the song drops. Yep. That is, I have to say that that is pretty cool. The first Iron Man was like, it did not portend some of what followed i thought that was like pretty decent and that i remember that um, moment feeling really great in the movie theater you guys uh we have to wrap up but right. i can't believe we have gone this far without mentioning dazed and confused which is like uh. so great <laughs> uh and uh no more mr nice guy when uh the the dude's getting paddled after the baseball game mm. um that's a really good one there's there's endless amounts from that movie, but can I? I knew that there was one that I was going to forget to talk about, and I do think that it's maybe the greatest needle drop in movie history for me. Probably not for everybody, but it's the song "Come Here" from the uh, first before sunrise. Okay, um, that's the, the scene where they're sitting in the record store and they're listening mm. to the song together. Mm. And the mm-hmm. thing about it that I remember when I saw it is that it, it's such a sincere, it's like an overly sincere song. It's like a, some sort of sixties folk music thing from a, a person who's a, an artist whose name escapes me. And at first I think that you, I almost thought in the theater that they were going to be like, this is ridiculous. Like the two kids are going to be listening to this and they're, they're like, this is what a silly sixties throwback song. And of course, you know, the scene, right? You're just watching their faces. They want to kiss. They so want to kiss, but is this the right time to kiss? Is this the song to kiss too? But the song is also almost telling them that they should kiss. It's called come here, you know, and they're trying Kath to fight. Bloom. I had to look it up. Kath, Kath Bloom, Bloom is the artist. Oh my God. That scene like makes me weep every time I see it. It just captures something so perfect. And it's like not the song that anybody like, where did they find that song? Who knows who Kath Bloom is and why would they pick it? It's just perfect. I love that scene. Uh, And yeah, now we can just talk about Linklater for another hour. But uh, one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever is the last scene of Before Sunset, which is a Nina Simone song called Just in Time. I asked for you because you've mentioned that before. I asked Randall Poster was the music supervisor on that movie too. And I asked about that, that. scene and he said i didn't have any i didn't really have that much to do with that movie so i can't tell you (laughs) all right should we wrap up one more yeah please um beau travail the rhythm of the night oh yeah yeah. that's another that's way like yeah big overproduced pop music in a european Mm -hmm. art house film yeah it's a it's a it's a recipe that can't you can't miss with uh all right well uh this has been a ton of fun um uh, you can find me at battleshipretention.com. My other podcast is the one where I met your mother, where my wife 
um, Natalie and I uh, watch Friends and How I Met Your Mother and 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 all and all of that. Uh, yeah, Ed Davy Pretension, David Pretension dot com, David Bax on Letterboxd. Uh, Scott, real quick, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter at Rail of Tomorrow and on Letterboxd. And Rico, where can people find you in the in the latest season of the movie podcast? Movie podcast, M-U-B-I podcast, uh, wherever podcasts are casted. And uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Rico Galliano. And that is spelled G-A-G-L-I-A-N-O. And Sean, where do you want people to track you down? <laughs> uh, I'm Jouster on Letterboxd. Um, and I have a band. We have an album completed and it'll come out eventually. And I'll, I'll probably bug you for some some kind of promo or something. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I'll, actually, I'll listen to it on my tweakedaudio.com. Yeah, but that's you've cool. already got an EP that's that's out on the on the streaming services. That's right? true. That's still out there. It's th- it's a few years old at this point, but yep, still up. But the band is called Spectre Exits. It was. That's right. What are they called? What are you called now? Uh, Weird Spirit. Weird that's Spirit. Great. Okay, but yeah. your EP is under Spectre Exits. Yes, right? correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll probably uh, so reissue reissue I, it at some point, but is that yeah. Spectre with an E R or an R E? E R, yeah. We wanted R E, but we're not British, so we we felt we, <laughs> we couldn't own it. You know? uh, all right, yeah, no cultural appropriation here. Um, well, thank you uh, all for being here, and thank, yeah, thank you, you, yeah, thank you at Thanks home for so listening. Much. We'll get you next time. Bye. <laughs>